from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. It is with great pleasure that we welcome back former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, a great friend. He's a best-selling author. He's a Fox News contributor. He's the author of Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. His initiative is the American Majority Project. Actually, Newt, what's a, does your new book you're about to put out, does that have a title yet? Yeah, it's going to come out in June. It's called March to the Majority, and it's the story of how we spent 16 years winning a majority for the first time in, in four decades, and then what we did to um, negotiate with Clinton and get a very big series of conservative reforms enacted. So I, I think people will find it useful both as history but also as kind of a practical guide for the current Congress. Yeah, that's terrific. Uh, so it can pre-order it on Amazon, stuff like that. You can pre-order that. it. It's, it's called March to the Majority. Great. I love selling books, especially your books. So, Newt, a couple things. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders stole the show Tuesday night. I mean, I that think that's a very opinion. that's a very important point. <laughs> Tell yeah, us. I, I, I wrote a newsletter at Gingrich 360 entitled <laughs> A Star is Born. All right. Uh, I, I, I was sitting there sort of watching Biden. And I, I always wonder if he goes slowly out in order to push the Republicans back. But in any event, uh, I thought his speech was breathtakingly dishonest, mm. uh, which meant, of course, that the elite media loved it because they're equally dishonest. Uh, but then uh, she came on and she she was so good. I compared it to Reagan's 1964 a time for choosing. I mean, she she went to basic values. Mm. She said what virtually all of us believe. And I thought it was remarkable. Normal or crazy. You can't put it any better than that. That's right. And then sadly, it's true. And, no, you know, normal, like in the in your in your um you know, effort, uh, the American majority to put a coalition together. There was a time, right, in our lifetime, there was a time when the Democratic Party was far more normal and worked with Republicans in normality. I mean, you know, like unanimous votes for Reagan's tax reform and defense and so forth. So now it's crazy. And I thought she nailed them on that. No, I thought she did. And, and, you know, as, as recently as when we passed welfare reform, we got half the Democrats to vote with us. Mm-hmm. So so there, there was a base. I mean, I, I think of it as common sense Democrats. You may have noticed that in New Jersey, an entire township, uh, the, the, the city council and the mayor all switched to Republican last week mm-hmm. uh, and just said they'd had it. And I think that that kind of thing, you know, the culture war fight in the schools, uh, the, the racism that they are, they are advocating, uh, the gigantic government spending with inflation and higher taxes and bigger deficits. I think all those things are actually driving people out of the Democratic Party. And, and uh, Myra Miller, who is a partner at the Winston Group, wrote a piece the other day and pointed out that there were, I think, six or eight million fewer identified Democrats in 22 than there were in, in 18. Hmm. That, the, that the effect of uh, Biden has been to shrink the Democratic Party. It's hard to believe, just on that point, Newt, the polls are so clear the Democratic Party does not want him to run again. Now, he may be politically, I don't know, his position as president, there's nobody opposing him yet. Maybe he's stronger than folks. But they don't, the rank and file don't want him. Well, it's, it's worth remembering when you spend, you know, several trillion dollars a year 
and you have an entire cabinet that can go out and campaign for you. Uh, Jimmy Carter beat Teddy Kennedy, mm. and Gerald Ford beat Ronald Reagan. Uh, an incumbent president, said, at least in terms of the nomination, now Ford lost the general election and Carter lost the general election, but uh, the internal power of a president is pretty amazing. Uh, although I, I did notice Mark Halpern in his uh, daily newsletter made the point the other day that when you see the numbers, and, and CBS News has some just devastating numbers about not about Biden personally, but about his policies. It indicated he had a baseline of about 20 to 30 percent support. Uh, when you get those kind of numbers, those first couple of primaries can be devastating. And you may remember that Lyndon Johnson, who had won a gigantic election in 64, assumed he was going to be renominated in 68 until the New Hampshire primary. Hmm. And while he won it, he won it by such a narrow margin, he promptly announced he was not going to run again. And so I think when you get to people going into a secret ballot, um, if anybody has the courage to run, and somebody will, uh, Biden is suddenly going to face a real test of people who say not him. You know, if you go through his State of the Union speech, okay, I was doing Fox uh, News duty that night, and I'm what, sitting with uh, Brett Baer and others reading the thing and then listening to him new. This was he's he scratched every left wing itch in the Democratic Party. And if you totaled up, took an adding machine, an old fashioned adding machine, God knows over the next 10 years plus, you could have he's probably going to spend another five trillion dollars. He's across the board tax increases on successful earners, on corporations, on oil companies. He wants to impose fees and tell, you know, hotels and resorts how to behave, sell companies, what to charge, uh, all this stuff. It was you know, interventionist, expensive, and anti-growth, one thing after another, Newt. Well, I mean, if, if you want to know what I meant by the term big government socialism, yes. you got it in that speech. Uh, it, it is the belief that the president of the United States has the power and the wisdom to interfere in every single aspect of our lives. Uh, and it, and also, it, it, it's, it is sort of Santa Claus, you know, on, on, on uh, steroids. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, I'm going to give you the next thing. And by the way, don't worry about paying for it. Well, we just lived through the experience. When you don't worry about paying for it, it comes back as inflation. And so that was the most pro-inflation, pro-debt, pro-tax increase speech mm. I think any president's ever given at the State of the Union. And he lied about inflation. You blame Trump, huh? Uh, look, <laughs> its inflation rate was one point four percent. The economy was growing at six and a half percent in the winter of twenty twenty one. He's blaming Trump. Yeah, well, I thought Laura Ingram had a great line. I, I did her show the next night. Hmm. She had a whole opening riff about Fantasy Island, <laughs> and, and, that, and that Biden is living on Fantasy Island. And I thought it captured it perfectly. This is and this is why the the normal versus crazy. Uh, point that that uh, mm-hmm. Sarah uh, made uh, that you know the fact is in order to believe Biden's speech you have to believe in an alternative universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you know again he claimed the border was fine he claimed he had really taken care of the Chinese you know there was a challenge and we li- and we met it well that's baloney the the balloon went all the way across the country and only when it left America did they shoot it down after having allowed it to spy for seven days. Um, you know, the border is clearly not controlled. 
and, and for Biden to be able to stand there with a straight face and say, it is it's just a lie. And, of course, he then demagogued and lied about Medicare and Social Security. I mean, the question the press should be asking Biden is, so since it is inevitably going to go bankrupt on the current trail, mm-hmm. what is your plan? Right, right. You don't. You know what? Exactly. These cheap shots distract from the real problem, which is all the official estimates is are you got five to ten years max for both right. funds, and we're going to have to do something about it. And if you don't want to do it as far as, you know, a debt limit, uh, CR, whatever they're going to do, I'll talk to you about that in a little bit. Set up a Reagan-like commission. Remember? Exactly. Ray, uh, Greenspan, no, exactly. Moynihan. I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing a newsletter saying that, that those, those two topics in particular can't be handled in the current political environment, but you could do a commission now. Right to report back in 25, and you could make it genuinely nonpartisan. Right. Because if you remember, the commission Reagan put together, I think Greenspan chaired. Yes. Uh, with And people respected it. People thought, hey, this, these are serious people doing a serious thing. With Pat Moynihan, Newt, and with Lane Kirkland of the AFL-CIO. Look, I was a deputy at OMB, and I was so I was like a staff person for that commission. And they, and they worked pretty fast. You know, they they worked – it took them about a year, as I recall, but they turned out a product, Newt, that lasted 50 years some odd. So let's okay. do that. So Biden should – you know, these cheap shots at uh, Republicans and so forth are besides the point. The point is 150 million people will get hurt if the funds go under. Well, and I think this is an argument Republicans have to win in 24. Uh, and I was, I was a little surprised the other day, Mark Halperin in his column – said, you know, that because of the news media bias, there is one side demagoguing Medicare and Social Security and one side trying to solve it. The side, the, the side trying to solve it's called Republican mm. and the side demagoguing it's called Democrat. And the news media simply won't do its job and won't tell the truth. Mm. And I think that's where we are now. But I think we have to take Biden head on on this and say, fine, what is your plan? Show us how you would save Medicare and Social Security over the next 30 or 40 years. Somebody's got to step up and say that. That's exactly right. right. I haven't seen that yet, but they need to. Instead of dodging, you know, Rick Scott said what he said. Okay, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Um, Ron Johnson said what he said. Look, Joe Biden was for uh, sunsetting Social Security uh, when he was a senator in, I don't know, 2007. And that's not the point. The point is what you're saying Somebody's got to stand up and say, we have a big problem coming down the road. Okay. And if we, if we, if we keep growing, you know, if the economy keeps slumping, Newt, for another five years, that problem's going to come even faster. You you need three and a half percent growth. You see what I'm saying? Somebody's got to stand up and say that. Well, and and frankly, both Scott and and Johnson, I'll just say flatly, I'm I'm in favor of saving the two, the systems. Mm. I offered an idea to save them. Uh, a veto pen doesn't save them. Mm-hmm. So this, this, all this, all this, you know, dancing around the stage with a veto pen—you're not fixing anything. You're, you're just demagoguing. But and I, I think we have to win. We have to win that argument. Oh, I think you're right. I, Biden is just so profoundly dishonest. You used that word before. I think you're—he's just—it's like in his genes. Look, if you if you elect the Sopranos. <laughs> you should not expect you should not expect honesty. <laughs> yes. I mean, if I, I think the family's corrupt, period. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that, that there is zero explanation 
for Hunter Biden's money from China, Russia, Ukraine, et cetera, other than that he was influence peddling and his father knew it. Mm. Mm. So that's, you know, that, that's just straight out corruption. Why do you think, Newt, this is off subject, but nothing's off subject with you. Why do you think last weekend Biden's, I mean, come on, the Defense Department works for Biden, for Christ's sakes. Uh, right. Why did they wait and let this balloon, first of all, hover in Montana where there are no people? My wife is from Montana. We were married. There are no people in Montana. Hovered over Montana for several days where all the Minutemen, you know, anti-ballistic missiles, the nuclear ballistic missiles are, and then float through the other bases through the heart of the country. Uh, why did they wait? It's the most embarrassing oh. thing I've ever seen. And everybody knew as soon as it was discovered that it was China. Well, I mean, I mean first of all, uh, it became clear if the White House story is true, that they didn't tell him until Wednesday. And on Wednesday, he ordered them to shoot it down and they refused to do it. It suggests that rather than being the commander in chief, he's the suggester in chief. Oh. Mm. Uh, so so start there. Uh, and, and frankly, it, it's it's not unusual to have the Defense Department undermine the president. Uh, one of the things Harry Truman said when Eisenhower got elected president is that Ike was going to face a real shock because you'd issue an order in the Oval Office and some bureaucrat would make sure it didn't happen. Um, and I think that's part of it. But we're now learning, if, if I understand this, and I'm not sure I do, uh, we apparently are now learning that there have been lots of Chinese balloons. Mm-hmm. That it's in fact a technology the Chinese have been developing both for carrying weapons and for carrying intelligence gathering, uh, that they apparently there may have been a series of them crossing the U.S. and now and now again apparently and I say apparently because I don't I don't trust anybody right now. Mm. Apparently we shot one down off of Alaska uh, yesterday, mm. and, I, and I have to tell you, I, as somebody who used to be in the Gang of Eight and who spent his entire career looking at military affairs, uh, I don't understand. I mean. I think you have a Pentagon which, between bureaucracy and wokeism, mm. may be the least competent defense department uh, since the Spanish-American War. <laughs> I mean, this, this is just, <laughs> you know, they, they were incompetent in Afghanistan. They've been incompetent at getting weapons to the Ukrainians. Uh, they're incompetent at dealing with Chinese balloons. Uh, and I think this is a national scandal and that, that uh, mm. overhauling and reforming the Pentagon ought to be a major component of where we go. Did you see the piece in the paper today somewhere? Trump's last defense secretary, acting defense secretary, what's his name? Chris Miller? Was that his name? No, no, was it Esper? No, it was after Esper. Oh, yeah, the one one after Esper would be Miller. I think it was Miller. Anyway, Miller said you could cut half the budget in the Pentagon and still be okay. That's how bad it is over there. Well, well, I, I tell people. Uh, the Pentagon was built in 1943, um, so it's basically 80 years old. It was designed for 26,000 people using carbon paper, manual typewriters, and filing cabinets right. to manage a global war. Right. Now, tell, tell me the information exchange rate between smartphones, iPads, and laptops versus carbon paper, manual typewriters, and filing cabinets, and then explain to me why we still have 26,000 people sitting in the Pentagon. Mm. I, I, I've said for two years, 
we could cut the Pentagon to a to to a triangle, turn the other two thirds of it into a national security museum, and you would get a you would literally get a better, more agile defense system. I love that, but it just shows you. You know, there is room to cut, for heaven's sakes, and you're not going to sacrifice no. national security. Newt, no. stay with me. Keep, have m- right. more of your coffee. I'm going to come back, take a quick break, and you and I will talk some more. <laughs> All right. Why did you say turn the Pentagon into a triangle? <laughs> right. I, folks, we're talking to the great Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. Uh, his book is called – his next book, March to Majority. You can pre-order on Amazon. It's going to be a fabulous book. I'm Cudlow, a little measly Cudlow. We'll be right back in a moment. Larry Kudlow. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, best-selling author, Fox News contributor. Uh, His most recent published book is called Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. He's got a brand-new book out. You can order it on Amazon and wherever else you want to. It's called March to Majority. It's going to be a super uh, book. Uh, Newt, you know, these um, areas, these antiques, Social Security, Medicare, you were talking about the Pentagon, a lot of these agencies. I mean, you can go through transportation. I mean, you know them well. I know them well from my government terms. Um, You're talking about modernization, to bring them into the uh, into the 21st century, uh, it doesn't. I mean, yes, spending will probably wind up being cut over time, but the purpose is modernization to make it more efficient and actually serve the taxpayers and the missions of the U.S. government. That's that's what has to be communicated, doesn't it? Oh, did we lose them? We lose them. Maybe something went down. Some. But I think, you know, uh, we'll get him a second. He's got a good point. I mean, this the Pentagon is a perfect example. And I, and I speak as a hawk, okay? I started my career in the federal government under Ronald Reagan. I am a hawk. Um, but the Pentagon has – all right, Newt's back. Newt. Um, yeah. Did you, I don't know if you heard the, my, my modernization toss. Yeah, yeah okay. no, I did, and, and here, here's the point, because I think we need to use some new language. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not, it's not about cut, it's about savings. You know, when, when Calista goes online, she did the other day, to buy something, and she found it from one place for like $46, and looked around and found it from another place for $12, we didn't talk about that as cutting $34. Mm. We talked about it as saving $34, and we thought it was actually a smart thing to do. So if I can take whatever the workload is of the Pentagon itself, just, just that one 26,000-person building, and I can modernize it and recognize it between computers and iPads and smartphones that you don't need 26,000 people pretending they're working on manual typewriters. And, of course, what's happened is you have so many people who are redundant that they have to write letters to other people to prove that their job is worthwhile. So the other person then has to answer their letter so you have a Pentagon that is drowning in bureaucracy. But but let me go to a totally different example. They just reported, I think it was on Fox and Friends two days ago, they have 23 schools in Baltimore in which not a single student, not one, could, in fact, uh, be proficient in mathematics. Mm. 23 mm. schools. 
Now you have to, and this is the most expensive school system in Maryland. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, what is it we're paying for? I mean, is this just a gigantic, expensive uh, nurseries program in which we, we babysit? But by the way, we then cheat every single child because they can't get a job. They can't get ahead. They can't rise. Uh, and I think th- these are the kind of conversations we have to have. In New York City, there are an estimated 40 percent of the students who don't show up. But, of course, the, but the school collects the daily amount of money as though they were there. And gets and gets uh, increases every year. Right. Right. So my point is, if you modernize the federal government and you go through and you think through these programs, uh, and Philip Howard has a new book coming out, which is amazing, on the whole notion. And he starts with the premise that the public employee unions are, by definition, unconstitutional mm-hmm. because they block government of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that. This is going to be a huge fight, and the job—the job of, I think, conservatism and Republicans—is is to make two cases. One is to return to government of the people, by the people, and for the people, which means dramatically restructuring away from the bureaucracies. Mm. And the other is to make the case that whether it's through corruption, incompetence, waste, or bureaucratism, you know, using your money in a bad way so it doesn't produce a good result is, in fact, something we should stop. Yep. And it's, now, we should be able to win those two arguments. It's true for all these big uh, departments, too, you know, education, transportation. Anyway, Newt Gingrich, thank you, sir. Terrific stuff. Right. We all thank enjoyed you. it. And we all benefit from it. Folks, I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to have a look at the economy after this. Please stick around. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 